0: Happy New Year to the Hoops podcast. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. uh, Holding serve in the Big Ten. Penn State gets a home win against Iowa. They lose a tough one on the road at Michigan. Now a big game for a lot of different reasons coming up on Sunday against Purdue at the Palestra. We'll talk about that with the insider and expert himself for Penn State basketball. That's Nate Bauer. Hoops podcast starts now. The new year, which means it's the thick of basketball season. Nate Bauer with me, as always, the star of the Hoops Podcast, really the star of wherever he shows up. Nate, well, it's been a minute since we've had a chance to do the show. I'm glad we had a chance this week, finally, after the holidays and the craziness of the travel schedule for bowl games. We're we're back into the rhythm of it. Yeah, I I I took uh some of the
1: podcasting stuff to california but um you know football sad as it is for anyone who's listening to this and is a penn state basketball fan football still takes precedence in the uh the pecking order but guess what rose bowl's done yep uh not not uh not a ton to direct our attention towards on the the football front and so here we are let's uh we can dive right into to basketball and actually i mean honestly like uh not that there hasn't been any compelling seasons in recent memory certainly uh the the 2020 year was very compelling until yeah the world ended but until uh, it
0: was suddenly over
1: <laughs> but this is this is comparable right i mean this is a penn state team that uh you know if 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 there had been doubts previously, and certainly I, I understand, you know, people who are uh, hesitant to, to go all in on the belief that this is a good basketball team, but it is, it's a good basketball team. And uh, they've demonstrated that and should be some, some really interesting games here over the next couple of days and weeks.
0: Uh, I just want to, for people who cause might not have seen it during an NFL Sunday, a very brief synopsis of the game where they win at home against Iowa, um, because I don't want that to go under the radar. That was a big yeah. win. Uh, I know we're going to be talking about Michigan and, and recapping that game. And of course, the big thing is purdue the palestra pre- previewing the Purdue <laughs> game again at the palestra. We'll be Purdueing it later. Um, yeah. but Iowa was a big win and it came at a time yeah. where there was a ton of stuff on the sports calendar. So give us the nutshell of how Penn State played in that game and, and kind of went down for fans maybe who want to recap it or may have missed it because of everything going on. Yeah. I mean, I,
1: I'm kind of in the same boat. It's, it's, uh, it's sort of brief, but they led they, right. They had 15, 20 point lead in the first half and uh, Iowa got hot in the second half and Penn State needed to make a play right down, down the stretch. Penn State found itself at a position where, uh it, it was a two point ish game and Seth Lundy got a steal and that was it yeah. <laughs> that was it so uh you know the last the last minute were was uh, certainly much more nerve-wracking for Penn State than Penn State would have preferred given the fact that it had played well enough to to establish a pretty big lead but if there's if there are lessons to draw it is on both ends of the spectrum, right, is Penn State found itself in a game that it had a big lead and mm-hmm. lost it uh, in that game and then followed it with a game at Michigan where they were on the the wrong end of, of a lead and yeah. were able to climb back into it. Right. And so these the the notion that Penn State is either in control of a game or out of a game is yeah. ne- neither one applies. Um, it's a team that can
0: heat up or cool down very, very quickly. That's exactly what I was going to uh, thinking during the second half against Michigan. It's a perfect segue. I was watching that on the couch, sitting there and saying, OK, it's 4759 or whatever it was. I'm like, OK, this yep. game's over, but. Basketball doesn't work like that, and this team especially doesn't work like that, and yep. they're in it, but ultimately you know the the final couple of minutes don't go their way uh it wasn't a clean game, no matter what either half for Penn State, right I think that's the first place to start
1: yeah it it uh they just they didn't shoot well they didn't shoot well mm-hmm. i th- I thought that they missed uh quite a few. Bunnies, um, you know, the good good looks at the at the rim. The, it was really interesting seeing Jalen Pickett's stat line after the fact. I, I didn't think that he played particularly well. Uh, he scored twenty six points, and you, you have a rebound. high threshold for him playing well. <laughs> I, I just it's 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 gotten to a point where maybe it's uh, maybe it's my own bias, but I expect every shot that he takes in the paint to go in, <laughs> right. and so many of them were. Uh, good to above average looks that uh, you know they were halfway down and rattled in and out and so you know it's it's like I'm gonna sit here and say oh it's just one of those nights for Jalen Pickett but when just one of those nights is 26 points and nine rebounds um you know certainly they they got into him in terms of his assists he Mm -hmm. I thought that he sets up some some good looks for others
0: but shots just shots just didn't fall it's you know it's can I put it a different way Go I I, another thing I was thinking during the game is that they they had 50 points and Jalen Pickett had 21 of them and I said gee it'd be nice if somebody else other than Jalen Pickett could make a basket in this game like it was a struggle and and the more it was put on him the more he had to go into the paint and you know some good looks but then sometimes he's fading away with a seven foot one center in his face and he you know he drains it and it's just like it's gonna be one of those nights yeah that's gonna be the theme tonight and and from the
1: onset that was the case. Is Seth Lundy was going and Pickett was going and mm-hmm. nobody else really was. And and you know when like you just you just need more from a Miles Dread, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy who scored his thousandth point the other night, but went one of four from three and had some some clutch looks deep, um, deep looks yeah. late that yep. just didn't go in. Andrew Funk, like Andrew Funk was was. Uh, I'm not going to call him a culprit because he was dealing with impossible conditions. And this is something that we talked about on uh, on Thursday with Funk and with with Mike Shrewsbury is these guys like teams are guarding him. (laughs) It's it's just it is it is unconventional. It is not not unfathomable, but like the the amount of resources, the, the lack of help coming off of him. He just Mm -hmm. it's just really hard. It's just very, very difficult for him to get open looks against teams and opponents that are determined to take him out of the game. Is that a surprise? Um no because he's because he's made shots and so that's Mm -hmm. it look this this has been something that I think that we've talked about from the beginning of the season. Once they put it on film of guard Jalen Pickett with Bigger, uh, you know, whether it's wings or, or forwards, what, what have you, right? Give Jalen Pickett a bigger matchup and then paste somebody you're, you're a good perimeter defender, get somebody on Funk and don't leave him. What is supposed to happen from that is open looks for others, that, yeah, like bottom, bottom lines. Bottom line is everybody else is supposed to get good looks. And in some cases, that happened. They just they just didn't have enough shots fall. Um, uh, and there were other there were other elements, right? Uh the officiating was uh interesting. Candidly interesting, right? Like that's a very diplomatic way to put it. Is yeah. uh there was a major imbalance of free throw shooting. Michigan got to the line, uh shot 25 shots at the free throw line, Penn State had eleven. And some of that some of that was occurred down the stretches. as uh, Michigan went to the free throw line in the last minute or so. Yeah, but yeah. G- generally speaking, uh, it just seemed like an imbalance whistle for a good part of the game.
0: Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, it's, me, it's you, you got to make sure me you ask you it, one follow up to that. One follow yep. up to that is something that I just have noticed in basketball is when you've got guys that have an exceptional skill, size, speed ball handling and they force the issue. I, it seems to me that, that uh, officiating sort of follows that. So if you're fast and you're supposed to be blowing by people and maybe the other team's playing good defense or, you know, is that, is that a, fair assessment of how that kind of works out sometimes is Michigan had some big guys and they had some really no. fast guys and they had like a good blend of talent that was pushing Penn state, I think at times to the maximum of what their defense was capable of. So then naturally, Oh, of course they're supposed to get fouled because look how fast that guy is. Like, right. Is, is that a, is that a fair assessment of how that works or is it just home field home court advantage and uh the whistle favored Michigan because home field bias. Home yeah. I, th- I mean, bias, I think sorry. I
1: th- I think that the challenge is the notion that look, Penn State took 28 three pointers. Uh, Michigan took 19. Okay, and so if you have that type of imbalance in shot selection, three three, you're not going to get to the line on, on three point shots for right. the most part. Like, that, right. like that's not something that you expect. Uh, the The challenge I think for Penn State is getting Jalen Pickett to the line, right? Is right. You, yes, you, conventionally speaking, you're talking about Hunter Dickinson. Who, yes, yeah, you know, right? He's getting fouled every every trip down the court and is in the paint, and his game. So much of that time is spent there, but so much of Jalen Pickett's time is also spent in the paint yeah. that you you would think. the end look, like is it is it so huge that it's egregious and stop the presses? No, but it it plays a factor. It plays a factor in a game like that and the flow of the game and the pace and so on and so forth. But, uh, you know, look, the the bottom line for Penn State remains, even with that element, you got to make there were there were key moments in the game, not just the fact that Penn State shot 32 percent from three point for the game. It's that the misses occurred when it really mattered. Right. Is is Penn State's in a game where uh you know what in the last 4 minutes 3 3 minutes and 11 seconds they're down 3 uh yep. 217 after Cam winner makes a shot so like Penn, St- Penn State had a great look at i want to say the 130 moment uh ish left in the game in in a game in a in a shot that could have tied the game for funk and yep uh didn't go down and you know uh, you win some you lose some and that that was the takeaway from Micah Shrewsbury on Thursday was hey uh you, you can either be bummed about this, which is fine, and, and certainly I think there was a certain level of disappointment, obviously, in yeah. losing that game because you feel like you could have won it. But also, if you're going to leave that game and have a loss and not play very well, but still have had an opportunity to win... You know, you you, you got to be sort of encouraged by that that right. that you can not play your best on the road and still have an opportunity against a Michigan team It's pretty good. Uh,
0: the the role players and uh, that part of the game, you know, I, I think we kind of hit on it on the Penn State side, but on the Michigan side, in in the reverse, yeah, they were good. They they yeah. made those clutch plays down the stretch.
1: Yeah, yeah, and so uh, you know, certainly Dickinson. It's just I, I think that Penn State fans, uh, the general sentiment is, oh, the Penn State is going to get killed by post players because Penn State isn't getting anything from its post players. And that's true. <laughs> like it's, right. it's, it's, Penn State isn't getting anything out of its five spot, but it's not it's not so one sided. Luca Garza a, a few years ago had. 40 points or you know whatever it was he, he put up 30 plus against penn state yep uh D- dickinson didn't do that right like dickinson uh ended up in this game with 17 points on six of 10 shooting he had six rebounds in 32 minutes like that's not you can live with that if you're right. penn state you can you can live with that what you can't live with is Doug McDaniel going for 12, uh, Buffkin going for 14, uh, Jed Howard going for 14? Like these are, these are players that Penn State just couldn't really keep in check. And yeah. so those plays, when they were made, again, I mean, it just down the stretch, I think it was Buffkin that, that, um, that really, that really got him. Right. And mm-hmm. so that's, you know,
0: it is what it is. It's Penn Hoops Podcast. I'm Thomas Frank Carv. It's Nate Bauer. We're going to be wrapping up the the game here, reviewing what happened against Michigan and previewing uh, the game of the Pleasure. But if you're watching here on YouTube, please like the video, share with your friends. We're still growing the the, the show here on the YouTube channel. Uh, another thing is um, when this show comes out. Obviously, the holidays were a thing. Um, we're still working on getting a, a consistent time because basketball does not have a consistent schedule. Uh, and, and we try to make it so that you guys know when and where to find the podcast. That being said, look for it later in the week. Um, so if you're, if you've been listening to the podcast, we appreciate all the support out the gate. We want to reward you by being consistently reliable. And, and right now that's kind of our aiming target is after Wednesday or after Wednesday afternoon, you can look for the podcast. (laughs) We'll, we'll, we'll get you more as we go on. But uh, please like the video here on YouTube. Help us grow this particular side of things. Um, the the defense for Penn State against Michigan. Have mm-hmm. you seen their de- defensive effort and performance over the last couple of games? And, and is that part of the not playing well? Because I think we focus on the shooting, but there is a different – there is another side of the game, you know? Yeah.
1: No, I, I, I think that's fair. Uh, you know, certainly giving up almost 80 points is not – something that Micah Shrewsbury wants or is comfortable with. Um, You know, they're not turning teams over and and that's to be expected. Penn State turned the ball over themselves a little bit more than they probably would have liked, Uh, you know, but yeah, it's uh, like, is it, is it this massive, Lapse in, in defense. I don't think so. <laughs> I, I don't think, I don't think that's the issue. Uh, look, Michigan shot 46% for the game and 42% from three. Like, and then, and then again, had 17 points at the free throw line to eight for Penn state. That's the difference. That's the ball game right there. So if, if I think that there are probably things that they could quibble with and that they certainly, they're going to look to improve upon for the game on Sunday, but I, I haven't seen it as a trend. Put it that way. It, like it's not it's not something that I think is at the point of panic. Um, that that Penn State all of a sudden is becoming a bad or uh, lacking in discipline defensive team.
0: Strangely, Mike's muting themselves. <laughs> Big game coming up here. Uh, Penn State at the Palestra sunday evening so this is prime time spot yep Uh, where do you want to start the where do you want to start the the conversation about this game what is the thing that sticks out to you most
1: uh hmm that's a great question because to me there are these two competing like overwhelming storylines and and it's similar i think i mentioned this beforehand it's like a it's like a Ohio state whiteout game for football is on the one hand you have this event, right? Uh, Penn state playing basketball at the palestra, the two prior instances that they've had of this in 2017 against Michigan state. And then 2020 against Iowa, both were wins for Penn state. Both were just rousing successes. They were wildly successful. The atmosphere is nuts. It's like, it's awesome. Um, the whole spectacle of it is is just really, really powerful, and something that is so atypical for Penn State basketball to have a yeah. home crowd that I mean it's just there's a lot about that. Also, they're playing the number one team in the country, <laughs> right? So, right. Like, so uh if if you're Penn State basketball. Let's be honest about this. You're not expecting. That. I mean, certainly internally they're expecting to to beat Purdue. That's the goal. You play to win the game. Externally, no one should expect Penn State to win this game. But it doesn't mean that it's not an opportunity. It, it mm-hmm. like if you're if you have to play Purdue and you're going to get this team that is something of a juggernaut, obviously being. Ranked as highly as they are, even though they do have a loss to to Rutgers that they sustained recently, uh, if you're if you're going to do it, to have it with the backing of a, I mean, it's literally a whiteout crowd. They're asking people to wear white for right. this game, but to right. do so at the Palestra, that's that's a little feather in your cap. That's that's yeah. a backing that you can work with. So, honest to God, home court advantage, advantage, right? An honest to God home court advantage, no doubt. Um, so yeah, so that's, uh, but, but that said, let's start with Purdue because, (laughs) because Purdue is, uh, you know, just kind of the latest and next game of a early season stretch that uh, in terms of the big 10,
0: that is just, I mean, it's brutal. It is just really, really tough. Illinois, Michigan state, uh, Iowa, Michigan, Purdue, and then Indiana. (laughs) right right uh then
1: indiana uh then at wisconsin before you finally get nebraska on january 21st uh so it is it is just it is just kind of tough team after tough team after tough team on this schedule and again this is a home game so if we're talking about holding serve and how you kind of you know game plan out the uh the the home and away schedule right you got to you got to win your games at home you got to hold serve y- yeah. if you lose games on the road well this is a home game right so if penn state loses which sure they very much could uh you know then you got to find one on the back side of that so it's yep. just it just remains very
0: very difficult uh so what is this environment like um it, I, I agree with you watching it on tv it's exciting. It's what you see at big time basketball programs. So yeah. what is it like uh, for the crowd, for people that are there?
1: Yeah, it's it's packed and it's hot. Uh, the hot thing is the, the thing that sticks out to me is like it. Even on cold days in January, uh, it, it has been consistently boiling in that gym and it right and it's old and uh, for anybody who's <laughs> poorly uh, ventilated and yeah, yeah. I, I mean anybody who's in philadelphia I, I believe there was snow on the ground for the last game uh and it was snowing for that uh, iowa game um but now the, the like the venue itself if you haven't been to the palestra if this is your first trip to the palestra get there early enough to walk around because mm-hmm. the hallways the, like the the main concourse is just filled with cool stuff right like old yeah. old pictures uh you know trophies memorabilia you name it uh like the the history is baked into the the building and yeah. you can sense it you can feel it it's it's great it, it truly is uh you know i, I am not a novelty guy n- necessarily yeah. having done this for as long as i have but like the novelty is still rich on this one, <laughs> right. like, this is something that I personally am very much looking forward to just just to catch a game, like, just to catch a game in this building
0: of significance. Um, it, it should be very, very cool. Now, we just talked about Michigan getting a home court advantage in the game and how that may have partially yep. been part of the story of Penn State uh, losing that game on Wednesday night. Is there, is there some home cooking here for the Nittany Lions? We talked about the atmosphere as a home, a home court advantage. Can they capitalize on that? Is that something you could see them being able to do? Yeah. This particular I, team?
1: Yeah, I think, I think yes. Uh, Zach Eady is going to get fouled. Zach Eady is going to go to the free throw line a ton of times. But yeah, is there, is there a possibility of Penn State having the home crowd work to its advantage? Definitely. Definitely uh, you, you, your hope is if you're a Penn state fan is twofold on the one side, you want to make sure that Purdue is rattled, right? Like you just hope to catch them on an off night where they're not going. Now, some teams very clearly will be juiced by being in that environment and having yeah. that type of a, a, a game, but you never know. Right. Right. But that's, that's something that you could hope for if you're Penn state. And then on the, on the converse side, it's, Hey, Get hot, right? Andrew Funk is playing in front of friends and family, his home crowd. Seth Lundy is playing in front of friends and family, his home crowd. Like all of those things um, are are your primary players. Some of your primary players are having an opportunity to be in this space and play in front of people that they know and venues that they're familiar with. Seth Lundy has played games. Roman Catholic played games clearly at the Palestra. Uh, Andrew Funk, same deal. Right. And so yeah. th- this is an opportunity. Cam winners played games at the Palestra. So yeah, you you would hope that Penn State would have a certain level of comfort
0: in that environment and be able to maximize it. So tell me about Purdue. What have you seen from them? What are the important matchups or factors that you see that is gonna play a factor on Sunday? Yeah. Uh,
1: so I pulled I pulled a few things. <laughs> uh they take a ton of free throws they're 17th nationally in free throws taken uh at 17.1 made per game and 22.7 attempts per game at the free throw line uh which is 26th so like they just that's what they do is they mm-hmm. get fouled and they go to the free throw line and they score a ton of points there uh they rebound the heck out of the ball penn state's rebounding actually this season has not been this massive deficiency that, yeah. um, right. I mean, it's not good. It's not good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they, offensive like Penn state doesn't, <laughs> Penn state is literally the worst offensive rebounding team in the country because yeah. they don't try. Like it's a, right. It's right. Uh, but right. A Defensive rebounds per game. They're fine.
0: Yeah. Um, they do know. make up for it. I'll, I'll say they do make up for it. And this is, uh, this is, base like very uneducated a lot of effort goes into getting some of those rebounds because they don't have a guy that can just do this and go get the foot uh, the basketball whoops yeah um so they they are going after all the loose balls and they're able to you know find some holes in that but yeah the it, it's they're making it work even if it's not a strength of theirs clearly
1: yeah. yeah um purdue does not force turnovers i said that previously but uh you know penn state um hasn't given up turnovers themselves. So like that's, that should be a status quo, right? Yeah. Uh, Like nothing, both teams take care of the basketball and both teams take care of the basketball. Uh, They're not a great three point shooting team. That's not one of their strengths. They don't shoot a ton and they don't make a ton. Uh, And the thing, the thing that I think stands out somewhat for a number one team in the country again uh, right uh, clearly I'm speaking to a Penn State fan base here that's that's looking for silver linings Purdue hasn't been dominant in the big 10 uh mm. and certainly the sample size is somewhat limited but uh they're three and one in the big 10 they beat Minnesota handily uh, by 19 points earlier in December but it took them overtime to win at Nebraska uh look out Nebraska might not be a walk in the park this year. Uh they lost to Rutgers 65-64 and then they won last night on Thursday night, excuse me, we're recording this on Friday, uh 71 to 69 at Ohio State. So those are close like those have been close games um that that Nebraska, or that uh, Purdue has been in which you know, hey, if you're Penn State, that's not exactly a murderers row lineup there. Nebraska, Rutgers, Ohio State, and all of those games have been close or they lost in one case. So, yeah,
0: I mean, you, you could, and uh, I don't remember every game. I apologize, but Penn State's games have also been close, but that's more expected, right? Like they've played in all of these very close games, but Purdue should be what you're saying is Purdue should be the team as a number one seed, number one team in the nation well, that has a signature dominant victory, right? Yeah. Just, just look at their, their
1: margin of victory, is 14 and a half points. Like their, mm-hmm. their scoring margin for the season is 14 and a half, plus 14 and a half points, uh, which is 20th nationally. So mm-hmm. like they've, they've beaten up a ton of teams this year. <laughs> like they've, they've I mean, they've, they, uh, they, they boat raised Duke, right? So like that, that's, this is a team who has experience really running it up and, and stuffing yeah. it down people's throats. And that has not been the case at least more recently, uh, you know, for them in, in the Big Ten.
0: You mentioned all the guys on the team that are from Philly. You yep. mentioned you're going to be in Philly. This has to have a whiteout recruiting impact for the program. Micah Shrewsbury came on the show, talked about recruiting in a lot of honest and open ways, and and I think some very encouraging ways. So what can this game do for the team irrespective of the outcome, but also if they were to get an upset win here.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, certainly, I don't know if this is like, I, well, I do know it, This isn't, oh, I'm so overwhelmed by this experience that I'm going to commit on the spot. <laughs> right. So for, right. for Penn state's recruits that are in attendance uh, of which I am expecting a, a handful that I'll share with you here in a moment. Um, it, it, it's not that it's not that. But what it is, and I think that this is more powerful to the program in the long term, is an opportunity to demonstrate to all of the players in Philly AAU basketball what Penn State is, right? Like all of those relationships that they have, all of those coaches, all of the, the handlers and and the people that kind of make things go in the region. Hey, here's a chance to demonstrate get them to a Penn state game where Penn state is being supported. It's tough in the middle of a season. Uh, it's tough in the middle of um, January, obviously to get guys up to Penn state, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not convenient. It, they don't yeah. have home weekend, Saturday games. So like, here it is, here it is. Yeah. You get a, you get a Sunday evening game in Philly, 15 minutes from a lot of these guys front door and you, you, you can demonstrate that you can show that to them uh, of what a powerful Penn state backing looks
0: like for basketball. Does this palestra game need to be a regular thing in every year? Kind of like the, the wrestling at the BJC does this need to be an every year thing for Penn state? Cause the, it has been great when they've done it, but they've only done it yeah. a couple of times now. Yeah. They're going to, they're going to lose. Um, it, it just depends, right? Is if, if Purdue
1: wins this game, then Fine. Maybe you're able to pitch it like, but the opponent has to agree to it. It's I, not as simple. It's not as simple as Penn State to say, oh, well, we're going to take our toughest game every year and put it in the palestra, and you guys better just buckle up. No, Tom Izzo agreed to it. Afterwards, he said, uh I'm paraphrasing, you know, they lost, Michigan State lost, and he was, he sat in the post game and was like, I must be the Dumbest guy in college basketball. <laughs> like, I was so looking forward to this, to have, to have this opportunity. I really wanted to coach a game here. Fran McCaffrey was not happy. Like, like these are guys, the old school coaches in the league who yeah. have not coached a game at the Palestra and want to cross it off their bucket list. Like, they've been willing in the past to do this. In this case, it's Matt Painter, who obviously Micah Shrewsbury worked closely with at Purdue. Yeah. Yeah. Like so, so those are the connections that make it work. But if if you're pitching, um, I don't know, like if, if if you're pitching the rest of the league, uh, you, you you might be met with a little bit more resistance to being willing to play in this game.
0: That makes sense, and that's that's interesting that like that undercurrent isn't always discussed. Yeah. Um. So the you you had a list of names for us. Uh, can you give us the names? And a little bit of context, so that uh, people who, you know, for the people who don't know anything about basketball recruiting, me will be able to have some context for it. Yeah, I mean, look, this is like the deep cut
1: stuff because not only do a lot of people not follow Penn State basketball, a lot of people really don't follow Penn State basketball recruiting. <laughs> so, so uh, now there are there are a handful of guys that I can confirm are uh, intending to be at this game. Don't hold it to, to me if they don't show up. Um, but Matt Gilhul, the, the center out of Westtown, um, Jaleel Bathia, uh, is expected to be here. He's a shooting guard in the class of 2024, uh, Thomas Sorber, who is a high priority recruit for them, uh, class of 2024 at Archbishop Wood. It was funny on Thursday when Micah Shrewsbury met with the media, he, he was talking about, uh, Andrew Funk and he's done this a few times now, like very smoothly, talking about how Penn State was thrilled to have somebody from Archbishop Wood and it would be great to be able to continue that pipeline. Like to, <laughs> like we really love our relationship with Archbishop Wood and if there were ever opportunities in the future for other Archbishop Wood players, hey, guess what? Two guys from Archbishop Wood, uh, Class of 2024 Thomas Sorber, Class of 2025 Deuce Maxey are both expected to be at this game. Uh, so that's that's a big one. Uh, and then Christian bliss and uh Luke bevel aqua uh, both George school products. One uh, bliss is 2024 and bevel aqua is 2025. He's a center. Um, So though, you know, high profile, right? Like, yeah, uh, these are the guys. It, it is a, it is a tough ticket. I will say that like, and everybody knows that at this point, it's a limited gym, right? You only have so many seats to go around, but in general, uh, my understanding is it, it is very, very difficult for forget the public for recruits, mm-hmm. <laughs> like for, for recruits, for coaches, you name it. Um, there's, there's just a limited allotment of bodies that you can get into the building, uh, which in some ways is, is even better, right? It, because if you're Penn state and you're prioritizing certain players, Uh, It it really lets them understand where they fall in the, uh, the spectrum
0: of of, of Penn state's priorities for recruiting. Anything else? A game coming up on Sunday. Is it 6 PM? Yep. Six o'clock
1: on the big 10 network. Um, Now it's, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. And uh, a a game worth be. It's funny. I asked, I asked, um Seth Lundy on Thursday about you know what like is this just a not that it's ever going to be just another game on the calendar, but for for how long have you been looking forward to this mm-hmm. because like this is this is the send off in a lot of ways, right uh like Seth Lundy's probably not coming back for a bonus year of eligibility. This is like, this is his game. This is, this is the love letter to, to Seth Lundy from Penn state basketball of, Hey, you get to play this game in this gym. That's significant to you. Uh, You know, maximize it, make, make the most of it and get that opportunity and and do it in front of the people that you love and that love you. Uh, It should be great. It it really should be win or lose for Penn state. It, It is an event that it just, it, it continues to, to be cool.
0: That'll do it today for the Hoops podcast. Nate, with a final word there about the game coming up tomorrow. Make sure you subscribe wherever gets your podcasts and uh, make sure you leave a notification. I'm doing this backwards. Make sure you leave a comment on the podcast side and uh, hit notifications on the YouTube channel so you don't miss when the Hoops podcast goes live on YouTube. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. Before I drop uh, another inlet pass, we're going to get out of here. Talk to you (laughs) next week.